what? You have a podcast? I can't let you do that, Kyle. Good morning and welcome to another episode of Recovery from Politics Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Frame, and today is my birthday, October 18th, 2021. I am a grand whopping 41 years old today, and I welcome you to the show. I have some thoughts. Um, there are tons of them going on right now. Everybody is worried about something. You're worried about Senator Joe Manchin screwing everything up for the Biden administration. You're worried about Kirsten Cinema down in Arizona also doing her best to ruin things. Meanwhile, you have an ongoing battle inside the House between Democrats, between Nancy Pelosi and the establishment moderate centrist Democrats versus members of the squad, AOC, Ilhan Omar, and the others, also causing their own problems. Meanwhile, you have an entire Republican contingent, which, regardless of what you may think of certain senators like Mitt Romney or certain congresspeople like Liz Cheney, they are still voting in lockstep with their party to stop everything that makes sense, from the debt ceiling to infrastructure to COVID to everything. They are still acting as though Trump were president, minus Trump being president. So, with all of this going on, with people on the streets, actually you can find recordings of people protesting, saying if a civil war is necessary, they're sure as shit ready for it. I completely disagree, for other reasons. Maybe we'll get into that tomorrow. But today I want to focus on one thing, and that is the dysfunction within our elected communities. Some people think it could be solved with gerrymandering. Other people think it could be solved with, you know, mandatory mail-in voting across the country that everybody gets a ballot regardless um, some people think making Election Day a holiday and mandating, you know, a whole day off for people to go and vote is also the answer. <clears throat> Obviously, Democrats believe the more people that vote, the better. And historically, that has been true. When there is high turnout, they tend to win. And previously, before the party was aligned quite so much with the left, you know, the left did win when there was higher turnout. And the right, now Republicans, tends to win when the turnout is low. So there is there is a logic there, I get it, but I think that completely negates the real problem with the entire system. Why are the Democrats fighting themselves in the House right now? Why are the Republicans in lockstep to a man who very clearly has authoritarian aims for this country? And it all has to do with one thing, money. Nancy Pelosi wields as much power as she does because she is the number one fundraiser in the Democratic Party. She controls where all the money goes. If she raises, you know, a million dollars, she decides which congressional candidates, candidates, not members, but candidates, get it. This is why someone like Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's um, <clears throat> election was so shocking a few years ago because she received zero dollars from the DNC and from Nancy Pelosi's purse, but her opponent did. So outside of an extreme amount of hard work and a district that is fed up with the status quo, you're just not going to see very many AOCs. Now, the answer to some progressives and liberals' uh, plight right now would be, aha, this proves we clearly need more progressives and liberals in the caucus, and that will diminish Nancy Pelosi's power, and I'm sorry to say that's just not true. 
The only reason the squad is able to stand up to Nancy Pelosi right now is because they have their own funding. I guarantee you Ilhan Omar, Nan uh, AOC, uh, Ayanna Presley, uh, I forget her first name, but Jaya Powell, she's up here in Washington. I guarantee you not a single one of them is getting a single campaign dollar contribution from Nancy Pelosi or the DNC. They all have to raise on their own, and that's what makes them independent-ish, is because they have their own voting block, basically. They have their own donor groups that's completely separate from anywhere else. AOC is not having Nike or Coca-Cola knocking on her door. That's Nancy De Pelosi's department. So this, of course, is the problem. A lot of people will also say on the left, oh, well, this just proves we need to donate more for the down-ballot liberals for in primaries. I disagree. I think the problem there is another problem. So you have your centrists, you have your moderates, and they get their money primarily from huge donors, meaning millionaires, billionaires, and also corporations, which means they're also kind of beholden to corporations. That's why they're centrists. Corporations don't want to upset the status quo. Right now, if you look at Wall Street and you're looking strictly at the stock market, the United States is doing fantastic. We have so much money flowing through this country. It is insane. Absolutely nuts. No one would want to upset that. No one wants an authoritarian power grab. No one wants a huge tax hike all of a sudden in the middle of it. No one wants to change anything. Everybody's just raking in the dough right now, and the last thing they want is massive change, which, you know, we'll get to. Senator Joe Manchin is able to hold up this entire infrastructure plan, three and a half billion dollars, or trillion dollars over 10 years, so 350 billion a year, which, by the way, the military practically triples that every year, but yeah, let's complain about this bill. But Joe Manchin is able to go out and say, you know what? I don't like the infrastructure bill because it includes measures that would end coal in his state. Coal pays him money. So his vested interest, at least from the outside looking in, would suggest he's in it strictly for that. So he's going to toss all of Biden's climate plan agenda strictly so that his state can continue to rape the world and pull out this coal, pollute the air, and kill us all. Because in his mind, being reelected is more important, and also his son works on the board of directors at one of those coal plants. And his son makes an easy six figures a year just sitting around saying, yep, I'm here for my dad. Like, it's total, total BS that this can even happen. And the thing is, even if Joe Manchin wants to say, no, he's standing on principle and it has absolutely nothing to do with his own personal bank account and the bank account of his son, we can't take him at face value because it's just too much money. I mean, he's getting hundreds of thousands of dollars in campaign contributions. His son has an easy six-figure job. I mean, what would you think? Uh, the best case scenario would be to remove the money from that equation, and that way, at least if a congressperson is coming up and saying, hey, I don't agree with this, you could maybe suggest, okay, well, maybe this guy's legit and he has real concerns about the bill. But until that happens, it's just not happening. But you have Joe Manchin able to do this because he gets his own funding from somewhere else. Also a problem. But let's get back to the squad real quick, because I would argue, and I have argued, that Bernie Sanders changed things, and not necessarily for the better, when he proved you can run a presidential campaign, which is a 
lot of billions of dollars to do strictly on private donations, small donations, five bucks here, 10 bucks there from your average everyday citizen. This is a problem. Your average every, everyday citizen is a moron. And we only pay attention to the news when it excites us, when it invigorates us, and as Facebook just recently learned, if you're paying attention to that story, when it angers us. If it pisses us off, we're focused like laser beams in on whatever the situation is. And that's kind of what AOC and the squad are running off of. Now, I don't think they're as malicious or just flat out, <laughs> you know, doing it intentionally to inflame passions the way that some members of the Republican Party, like a Marjorie Taylor Greene are. But there is a case to be made that every time they come out, they're talking about, you know, the climate agenda as if it is a worst case scenario end of the world thing, which, hey, I agree with. But, you know, um, that does scare people and it scares people to open their pocketbooks and donate to their campaign. So you do have to wonder, do they really believe the climate change is, a, is an existential threat or are they saying it because they know it gets their donor base up? And that, again, is the problem. You don't know where these people's allegiances lie. Now, I tend to believe that the squad is legit, that they are arguing in good faith. Mostly because they are made up of younger people. Uh, there are a lot of mothers in the squad. And I, I can't help but look at my own children and wonder what kind of world I'm going to be leaving for them environmentally. I mean, it's one thing to say, oh, yeah, there's war going on in the Middle East and oh, those darn conservatives have got the Supreme Court again. But it's a completely another to say, you know, we're wearing masks now for COVID, but in 10 years we might be wearing masks so the air doesn't literally kill us. So that's going to be a whole new thing, and I, I do worry about that. And you hear about stories in Flint, Michigan, where people don't have clean drinking water. I mean, some of this stuff to me is, is of common sense. It screams of common sense. And the only thing I can figure is that the wealthy and the elite are thinking, oh, well, we are so wealthy, we will always be able to afford the bottled water. We'll always be able to afford really nice air filters in our homes. We'll be able to insulate ourselves from whatever ails the outside world. It, it kind of reminds me of this old Sean Connery movie called Zardoz, which if you've never seen it, it really needs to be seen with as much liquor in your system as possible to believe it's, it's a crack up, honestly. But it does have this point because there is a, an apocalypse, you know, this is a futuristic post-apocalyptic world. And of course, you know, you've got Sean Connery, he leads a band of marauders and they're just raping, pillaging, whatever, because the world is crap and they don't really have a lot of resources. And the whole point of the story is that there are these elites who have siphoned off themselves from the rest of the universe, literally behind a glass dome, and they have all the luxuries. I mean, they, they just sit around all day drinking and eating and having sex and just, just a great time, right? And, of course, that is a problem. So that's what I think all the elites are thinking when they, you know, see climate change and they're like, yeah, we don't care. Either we're going to be dead or our children are going to be so wealthy from what we've done, they'll be able to take care of it, which, you know, brings up that whole inheritance tax that I think should be kicked in too, also known as the death tax. Got to give great, great framing on the argument there to the Republicans way back in the day. Uh, I don't believe in legacies, to be honest. <clears throat> but then you've got the Republicans. Why are they beholden to the orange god king? And the only answer is money. 
You see, because they align themselves with the Orange God King, who offends every sensible human being on the planet, it hurts corporations to align themselves with the Orange God King. You have crazy people like the MyPillow guy, but let's be honest, he, like Trump, has never really been a CEO. Like, really? Uh, because a real CEO that has to answer to stockholders would be thrown out if they align themselves that publicly with Donald Trump. But because he's a private CEO, much like Donald Trump, uh, he can say and do whatever the hell he wants, use his money any way he wants, his company is not publicly traded, and if it is, it doesn't matter because he's got control over it in a certain way. So you have the Orange God King, and the reason they stick with him is because corporations won't go to them, and the GOP has typically been the corporate party, it has to go somewhere, and unfortunately, Donald Trump kind of did the same thing that Bernie Sanders did. He received a lot of small-time donations from private individual donors. Um, he did receive money from kooks and crackpots among the millionaire and billionaire class, and they, of course, formed their own super PACs to help him win because they thought tax breaks are great, and woohoo! I argue differently, whatever. <coughs> But you have the Republican Party, all of a sudden, they don't have their traditional funding sources anymore. I mean, they really don't. So if they want to get reelected, if they want to enjoy life as they know it, which, by the way, being a congressperson is a very sweet gig if you can get it, they have to get money the same way Donald Trump did, and the same way Marjorie Taylor Greene has perfected, which is the outrage machine. They have to keep everyone pissed off. This is why if you watch cable news, especially Fox News, I mean, MSNBC does it too, but, but Fox News especially, if you watch it, the stories they're talking about, and if you believe them at face value, let's, let's you know, ignore the lies and the racism, but just say you watch that news channel and you, you believe they're arguing in good faith, so you believe them when they tell you things. It's just rage against the machine constantly, 24-7. That's why the culture war is coming in. Culture wars are extremely important as far as whipping up your base and pissing everyone off. You know, you can't just be mad because the Democrats want to make the environment clean, and you can't be mad because, you know, the Democrats want to fix your roads. No, you have to be mad. Because the Democrats want to change your life. They want to change you. They don't want to make the air clean. They want to take away your hamburger. They want to take away your steak. They want to take away your rights to, you know, pollute. You know, it's, it's, it's just outrage all the time. And the reason they do that is, unfortunately, it works. If you're pissed off, you're going to write them a check. You're going to get online. You're going to put in $5 on your credit card. It's going to happen. This is how the Republican Party is raising money right now. This is also why you saw a shift, okay? Donald Trump did his little attempted coup on January 6th, and if you recall that first 24 to 48 hours, damn near every single Republican came out, and of course there were a few stragglers, but, but the vast, vast majority came out publicly saying, no, this was not right, the president is in the wrong, and he should face consequences. But because the Democrats dragged their feet on the whole impeachment thing, it gave them time to circle the wagons and realize, hey, wait a minute, if we throw him under the bus, we have no funding for the next four years. We will have to completely reinvent ourselves to get back to the level of it. So rather than face complete and total destruction by the Democrats for the next foreseeable future, 
They made their deal with the devil. They went to Donald Trump. Kevin McCarthy famously went down to Mar-a-Lago, kissed the golden ring, and basically said, please, please share your donor data with us. And it worked. Now, a lot of people will say this is good. This is private citizens voicing their opinions. However, unfortunately, much like church and much like voting, only crazy goes all the time. So only the crazy is donating, and if only the crazy's donating, then you have to appease the crazy. This is where you get the Texas governor uh, signing laws that just are not going to stand up to judicial review. There is absolutely no way the Supreme Court is going to say that Texas's abortion law is perfectly okay. That is not a challenge to Roe v. Wade. It's basically the bounty system. They're like, no, if we, I mean, honestly, the Supreme Court would be ridiculous to go ahead and pass it because they would be opening the floodgates to, and I know this is going to sound crazy, revenge cases, okay? It's not revenge in the in the personal sense, but revenge cases in like, say, blue states, hard blue states, California, New York, you let that particular Texas abortion bounty bill go into effect and say and give it the judicial stamp of approval, you've basically given the stamp of approval that anybody can sue anyone with a gun on them for fear of their life. It will be a bounty system for things like that in blue states. That's not good. Americans spying on each other, trying to sue each other to make a buck, that's just not a formula anyone wants and no one thinks should or could function well in any society, not even authoritarian ones. No one wants this thing to pass. He did it strictly as performance art because he knows this will get the money in. It will piss people off and it also makes some people happy, <laughs> but ultimately they're dealing from a place of anger, but it will bring the money in. That's what all of these bills are for. So my solution, some people look at this and say gerrymandering. Some people look at this and say election day holidays. Some people say it's all about voter registration, getting the vote out. And, you know, there are a million other methods. Me, it's very simple. Get the money the hell out of politics. Get it out of there. Why are the top two congressional House members uh, of their respective parties also the leaders? Mike McCarthy is the number one uh, fundraiser in the Republican Party. Nancy Pelosi is the number one fundraiser in the Democratic Party. They were that before they achieved their leadership status. That is their qualification for being Speaker of the House and Minority Speaker of the uh, Minority Speaker of the House. <clears throat> that's it. That's all it is. That that's the only thing they're good at officially that you can put pen and paper to. So if we remove money from it, Nancy Pelosi and Kevin McCarthy have absolutely no power whatsoever, and we'd actually be able to see, okay, do they really know how to negotiate, or are they just waving those dollar bills in front of their congressional members saying, hey, fall in line, or you don't get any of this. But we won't know that until money is out of politics. That is the problem. That always has been the problem. And even Bernie Sanders and the squad are the problem because they are getting money into politics in a completely different way that is unhealthy. The constant rage machine will work both ways. Luckily, we don't have a Marjorie Taylor Greene on the left, but that doesn't mean he or she isn't sitting in the wings waiting. Okay? They're on their way if they're not here already. There are already a lot of people who suggest that the way to fight Republicans is to play dirty like the Republicans. If you want to avoid that, which I think we should in a functioning democracy, you want compromise and you want two stable parties. 
if both parties are fighting for the fringes of this country, you're not going to see anything positive come from that. I'm just, it's just not going to happen. So get money out of politics. And how do you do that? I think that they should scrap all of their voter ID laws, election laws, everything the Democrats have, and they should merely put in all federal elections will be federally funded. You get X number of signatures on a ballot. I'll let them decide perhaps by state. Then you qualify for X number of dollars, and that is all you can spend. No private spending, no personal spending, no donations, no nothing. If people want to donate, they donate to a federal coffer from which both parties and all individuals who successfully reach that bracket of signatures can pull from. And it is an equal amount for everyone. President, Senate, House, all of it. Remove money from the equation. Make it all about persuasion and negotiation and dealing, and you will see people like Marjorie Taylor Greene diminish, you will see leaders you don't like go away, and you will see people who actually have the ability to legislate and govern become our leaders. And I would take this even a step further. I think the Democrats also would need to put in a provision saying, hey, and also we're mandating this for all the state legislatures and governorships. Because those matter too. We are tired of Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, and Georgia being performative dickweeds, passing laws just so they can try to overturn Roe v. Wade in this in the Supreme Court because they have no actual means of doing it. That is bull. But if you remove the money, if you remove the outrage machine, and if you remove the corporate donors, they have no one to answer to but their own constituents. And I think that would go a long way to fixing everything. The only people they would have to answer to is the voters. And that's the way it should be. But right now, that's not the way it is. Nancy Pelosi doesn't have to answer to the voters. She's guaranteed to win over in San Francisco until the day she decides to step down. And AOC has the same problem in reverse. She will not have a problem until New York decides to kick her out. But that's not going to happen until she decides it's time to move on because she has that much power. And I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fan of AOC. I like her. But at the same time, I think you remove money from politics. You remove it from both sides, private donations and everything. Get it all out of there. I would love for them to get rid of super PACs, but that would require the Supreme Court to weigh in on that whole Citizens United BS. We're not there yet. But I think Congress can pass a bill stating... Hey, this, no, a private campaign has to run on federal funds. Is it tax dollars? Yes. But also, they can control how much. They don't have to say, we're going to spend a trillion dollars on elections next year. They can make it very minimum. And also, they could also put in, and I think the president could do this, I think. I don't think you need an act of Congress, but the president could just direct the FEC, or no, not the FEC, the FCC, <laughs> Federal Communications, uh, to go to the television networks and just be like, hey, you're not allowed to run political ads. Period. I also think that would be good because there's no good that comes from television ads and it's a huge expenditure. I mean, that's where the majority of the money goes. It goes to TV networks. Now, of course, the media is never going to promote this because that's how they all go, you know, back to black for the year. It's like, you know, Black Friday for them is presidential season because the ad money just flows in to the networks. They make so much money off of these things. 
But again, I don't think that should be a thing. I think, no, if you're going to, if you're going to be a, a network, put on good product. Don't sell these commercials of political ads, which do nothing but piss me off. I mean, really, I remember growing up in Southern California. I hated Senator Feinstein the most because her ads were always so prevalent. They were everywhere, everywhere. And they were always negative. I do not recall a single positive ad by her, you know, suggesting her. It was always, her opponent has done this, this, and this. Don't vote for them. Vote for Feinstein. I hated it. I absolutely hated it. I was a kid. I just wanted to watch my damn cartoons. And I couldn't because these political ads were just inundating me constantly. And that drove me crazy. I think we should get rid of them. But that's a personal thing, honestly. I mean... Yeah, I think it would go a long way towards fixing the discourse because then you're not also seeing television reinforce Facebook, which is just a huge anger ball all the time. But I think you get rid of money out of politics and at least, at least the bare minimum that comes of this would be when Senator Joe Manchin tells us, no, I really do believe coal is the answer in Virginia. We could be like, okay, well, it's not the money. Maybe this guy's either an idiot, he knows something we don't, or he just really legitimately believes this. And wouldn't it be nice to listen to a congressperson and not have to think, man, what is your ulterior motive here? Because I have to think that with every single word out of all of their mouths. Every one of them. And I hate that. Anyway, you guys have a great day. Uh, we're going to try to get back on a regular schedule here. Thank you very much for coming. Uh, like, subscribe, share, all that BS. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. Have a good one. Before you go, I'd like to remind you we can be reached at on Twitter under politics underscore from by email at recoveryfrompolitics at gmail.com and on Facebook. Reach out, like, subscribe, and share with your friends if you want to help support the show.